0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: The official Brighton and Hove Albion Podcast with
0: myDieselClaim.com. Welcome to the third episode of the official Brighton and Hove Albion Podcast. And if you want to hear about Norman Cook's cheese dreams, moneyball, and when it's okay to wear a Bolivia shirt, go back and listen to Episode 1, James Milner's European blueprint featured in episode 2. But this week, Spoiler alert, it's down to business. The pundits agree, Brighton make it look easy. But who are the people behind the scenes making it happen? What hard work goes into a team that everyone wants to be like? Andrew Croft, Crofty, first team coach for a year now. Um, could you tell people what your job is with the first team, what your responsibilities are?
1: Yeah, um, lots, lots of different parts to my role. Um, Organising training with the gaffer and the other staff, with Andrea Marcello and uh, and, the, and the fitness guys is is part of that. Um, taking parts of the, the training session, uh, mainly the lead-ins um, to, to the gaffer, taking the, the main part and then supporting the main part. Always heavily involved with uh, all the game plans that the gaffer and uh, the technical staff go through, which is hours and hours of um, Of that, and then uh, obviously the relationships with the players, supporting them through through good times, through bad times, um, supporting the gaffer and the other staff in any way you can, and then also with the young players coming up um, and getting opportunities, and liaising with the the academy staff when when they're needed to come up. So lots lots of different. There's there's probably quite a few things that I've missed, but that that's the main bulk of it.
0: It's interesting you say the game plan because people fans may assume that the team goes out and play, plays Roberto Deserbi football every week but actually it changes from game to game presumably you take each game on its merits is that right?
1: Yeah I think what the gaffers bring in in terms of his idea and what he's implemented to the to the football club is, uh, is incredible um, the style that we play with and that takes so much work on the grass since he's come in so many meetings so many individual meetings unit meetings and um, and then I think from day one, the gaffer was very clear that the staff knew or tried to know his ideas straight away. So then we could just consistently keep their messages going, understand it ourselves, and then make the players understand it as quick as they could. Um, and he'd done that in, a, in an incredible way. I think everyone was probably surprised with the how quick Um, you see a a style of football that's never been at this football club before. Um, There's been lots of good work done before, but in different styles and in different ways. Um, So I think the the speed that he got his idea across was impressive, Um, but it took a lot of work. And like I said, in in terms of every team plays different, so um, we'll always analyse the team, but really worry about ourselves and what we do and how many problems we can cause them.
0: So there is a lot of opposition analysis because obviously all the top managers do that. It's it's just a fundamental part of the job, isn't it? To know what you're coming up against.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we've got an analysis department that's um, excellent. Um, put a lot a lot of hours in watching games and then studying the opposition, and then and then feeding that back to the to the gaffer and the technical staff, and then. The gaffer comes up with the idea, and we speak about that for hours, and then we go into the game. I think very, very clear on on how we're going to play and how we're going to cause the the op- opposition as many problems as we can, and and we try and win every game.
0: Just rolling back a bit, what what did you learn from Graham Potter and that first transformation in the in the playing style of this football club? Yeah, I think the the work Graham done with with the
1: staff at that that point was was excellent and took the club uh, into another category in terms of instead of just thinking about maybe surviving in the Premier League, we we got to the next part um, and done lots of great work in the process, very calm, um, created a really good environment amongst the players and the staff um, and a real good, um, just a real good way about him and I think that the the players understood what he was after. Um, Again, it was a uh, possession-based style that um, caused caused a lot of problems to other teams and then I think... um, since obviously Roberto come in it's, it's the same concept in terms of we want to dominate games but in a totally different way so for me to see two totally different styles has been an incredible experience for myself obviously I'm on the first team staff so I see it first-hand and every day where with Graham and the staff, great people, um, but I was I was the under-21s manager at the time. So that was very good in trying to include you, but obviously you're working with your group, so you don't get to see as much. Um, but what you could see was a, a, a real good environment, a real good way of playing as well, and, and, and lots of success.
0: Yeah, because you've worked at every level here, really, under-21s, under-23s, academy. So I wonder whether, does every team here... Try and play the same way is the does there's a derby style does that filter all the way down to the youth teams or is it only a senior team method now nah, yeah I think for sure um I know one hundred
1: percent the the under twenty ones are trying to implement that that similar style um and then underneath that the eighteens for sure as well and then below that I think it's um it will get drip drip fed into their majors. and 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 real good um a technical understanding of how we want to play but obviously with that becomes lots of technical skills that are incredible for young players to learn um and some of it's the, the real basic part of the game but if you do that to an extremely high level you have a good chance of, of of having a good career um and I think it's been refreshing in terms of real high level basic skills that that you have to to have to be a to be a player and and refreshing that so much. Um, so yeah, for sure the academy will, will definitely benefit from that. And then ultimately the, the club want to be uh, a club that plays an exciting brand of football. So I think that's always going to be an academy for years and years. And, and this is another, another style of football that can benefit
0: so many people in different ways. Playing out from the back and <clears throat> goalkeepers playing like playmakers and you know relentless possession of the ball. I mean, we're both old enough to remember when English football Football generally was nothing like that, was it? Do you remember the time? Do you remember thinking, "Hang on, there's a real fundamental shift in the game here, where where, where goalkeepers are basically playing like sweepers and so on." You know.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think I think the probably overseas the the more overseas players and and coaches that we had come over to the to the Premier League and to the Championship, I think really enhanced that. Even League One at the time. I remember when Gus Gus boy come and. Uh, implemented a, a new style to the football club um, and then it. I think from that time it just started to to gather more legs and you see more teams doing it. For sure there's still so many different styles, not every pl- uh, team play uh, possession-based because I think it's the, the hardest style to play and to coach so I don't think every team can do it um, because it ain't easy to get a group of players playing in a certain way and everybody speaking the same language in terms of how how you want to play the game. To do that with keeping the ball, knowing exactly what your teammate needs in terms of how he receives the ball, what's his next pass, what spaces will we occupy. and all them sorts of bits I think is very hard to to coach and, and get a group of players to do it. So I still think there's a lot of teams that don't do it. Um, but you definitely, for sure, are seeing teams to try and play out more and, and play through the thirds, if you like. But I still think there's so many teams in
0: so many different leagues that play so many different styles is it harder to play like that than than the way you might have remembered from i don't know 2009 so when the game was a bit more direct wasn't it and more physical and, and less possession based when you look at these young players coming through now they're all they're all they all have this vocabulary don't they of of keeping the ball getting the ball in tight positions and, and relentlessly moving it is that a harder style of football pl- to play do you think than the, the, than the style that you might have grown up with in my opinion, yes, one hundred percent. I think
1: uh if you literally wanna be a direct team and you can receive a ball and then just play it long and then you run forward and you, you you chase and you run and pick up second balls and there's nothing to say that's wrong or right. It's a it's a style and it's it's everyone's uh prerogative to do to, to play how exactly they wanna play. But for me, seeing how we play, um, how we're coached every day, how we train every day that's a lot of hard work. That's a lot of high-level skill that the gaffers worked incredibly hard to to master uh, probably as he was coming to the back end of his career. And then obviously he's managed now for 10 years. So he's put in a hell of a lot of work to get to this point. Um, and yeah, 100%, I think it's the hardest style to, to achieve and the hardest style to achieve
0: successfully. And you have to concentrate for the whole game, don't you? You can't, you can't switch off in a style of play like that, can you? Because you just get punished. Yeah, both with and without the ball in terms of, I
1: think you'll be very mentally and physically fatigued after playing that style of football. But I think the more you do it, the more it becomes instinctive Um, and then you're constantly building and creating relationships with the players that you're playing with. I said everyone's on the same page and once you do that and you see week by week, month by month, as that goes past, you see it probably becoming... Uh, more natural and then it just gathers, gathers and, and you can see from, from when the gaffer first come in day one till now, you can just see the progression and then you can see it when when new players sign compared to the players that have uh, been here for say eight, eight, nine months under the gaffer and then the new ones come in, you know it's going to take a little bit of time for them to arrive to where the players are currently. Um, but it helps because the other players will We'll, we'll help them, guide them. Coaches do the same, um, so it's been incredible to see that and uh, to be a part of that.
0: And I'm conscious that I'm talking to—I um, mean, a former Brighton manager because 12 months ago, you were made um, almost to the day you were made interim head coach when Graham Potter left. I mean, talk me through that week. That must have been yeah. mind-blowing. <laughs> Great, like crazy to be
1: fair. When I sit down, you, you don't get much time to reflect when you're when you're you're involved in it for certain, for the last few months it's been so demanding so full on so exciting but that point was yeah it was surreal like I said uh, had a, a great relationship with Graham and, and his staff and was as gutted as, as everyone was when they left so uh, you, you you gutted yourself and then you get the call from, uh, from Chairman Paul Barber David Weir to say that you're going to be interim and then you feel incredibly proud like I've been been here at the club for three different spells, um, loads of different roles. And then to, to be told that you're going to be interim manager of the football club was immensely proud. But then, like I said, you, you're feeling uh, a, a bit well gutted that the, the guys are gone. And then you've got to think, well, there's loads of people gutted now. And I've got to be the one the ones to pick them up to make sure that they're professional about what's happened and then look, look forward to the game and the challenge of dealing with... Uh, Dealing with the challenge of losing losing the guys, but wanting to to keep the momentum and keep your professionalism, and then maybe after the when they had the international break is maybe when you can reflect on that and maybe sort of uh, gr- grieve a little bit if you like in terms of the the guys that we lost uh, to mm. go elsewhere. Um,
0: what were you doing when you got the call? Uh, I
1: was, I was on a course. I was on a course and. Uh, in the course, we weren't allowed our phones, obviously, to, to be respectful to the person leading the course. Mm. And then uh, come out of the course, looked at my phone, was like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then uh, obviously realising, and it was like, Jesus. Like, so uh, Then it was like driving back home, um, lots of phone calls, um, spoke to to Adam Lalana and, um, and Shannon and a couple of others in terms of what we was going to do tomorrow, like the day after to make sure that we was prepared, make sure the lads were had a good... Training session lined up. Make sure that we were prepared going into the the Bournemouth game before, obviously the the postponements. So it was it was quickly right. Either we either we affect this, either we make sure that
0: things keep rolling, um, and 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 make sure the spirits right. I know you didn't get to take a game because things happen very quickly. But did you did you write down a first eleven at all? Did you pick a pe- pick a team in your head? That was pretty
1: <laughs> easy to be fair <laughs> because they won the game <laughs> before us. Uh, yeah. I think the, um, and it weren't. Like two quick games, obviously, weekend game Leicester. Yeah, I'm quite saying Leicester, then it would have been Bournemouth, so there was no midweek game. So, yeah, you, uh, you wouldn't have had maybe a couple of changes that you would have made to freshen up. The team had won, played well, so it was uh, <laughs> maybe an easy one to pick. So, um, you
0: were going to say lads, unchanged team, yeah, same as, same yeah, as last yeah, week, yeah, yeah, right? keep
1: it going, yeah. do exactly what you've done the last <laughs> week before, and then uh, hopefully, yeah, it goes well.
0: I suppose there was no guarantee that um, Roberto De Zerbi would, would um, keep you in or put. Invite you into the first team setup. That must have been a thrill as well.
1: Yeah, and no, that was again like having the, the two weeks with the guys and working with the guys. Uh, and I absolutely loved working with the under twenty ones and had some great relationship with so many young players and see so much growth and, and absolutely loved the role. Um, and then the two weeks that I had with the first team in that period. I fell in love with it straight away. Like I'd i obviously played with a couple of the lads in terms of Dunky and, and Solly. Um and then just quickly thought, wow, this is this level is is brilliant and the intensity, the mentality, it was uh, and, and coaching these big players was was a real buzz for me. So when the club uh, said that the, the Gaffer would want um a British coach on his staff, the club said to me they wanted me to be that one um and then I, was, I spoke to him and said look I, I, I think it's i'd be over the moon but I also you know i've never met roberto before i'd like to maybe give it give it a few days few weeks see how we get on see if he likes me if i like him if, if i'm going to be involved a lot and then literally after two days i was like wow this is this could be incredible uh, and I know the gaffer said to the club that he he wanted it had to be me that was the British coach, so as soon as he said that and then the club obviously wanted me to do it it was it was me knowing that both wanted to do it. the gaffer hundred percent wanted to, uh, me to do it the club hundred percent wanted me to do it, so then straight away it was a no brainer Sign up and join millions of sports fans putting their trust in my diesel claim. Proud sponsors of the official Brighton & Hove
0: Albion podcast. So, uh, the the club was not in a slump at that point, but people were nervous, weren't they, when Graham Potter left? And yet, Roberto De Zerbi came in. He didn't tiptoe in. He came in with a great amount of presence, didn't he, and charisma and spark. He knew exactly what he wanted, what he, what he was going to do. He got the players up and, and going again, didn't he? That was quite impressive. Yeah, the... Uh the passion that he coming in with straight away was
1: sort of slapped you in the face um, and his demands straight away, but also his warmth straight away. Um, how much work he was putting in to, to learn the language, so impressive. Uh, you think you've got a, a man and his staff coming from a, a new country, learning the language, uh, hasn't got a place to live straight away, um, doesn't know the area, new to the Premier League, all, the, all them things and then you're trying to implement a style, you're trying to build relationships. Blew me away in terms of how he managed that, how he dealt with that. But then uh, it wasn't easy straight away. Like the first first few weeks, first month or so, the gaff would, would 100% say he's probably said it, that it was tough. Like mm. it's tough, it's tough for everyone. Um, the group was so used to a, a, a way that they really enjoyed like and and it was working really well. But this was a totally different way. And, it, and in that transition period, there's always going to be challenges. Um, but then how we all come together, how the lads bought into it, how the gaffer implemented his style, his ideas, how the new staff that come in started to integrate. You could tell it just needed a little bit of time and then it was going to take off. Um, and then it took off a lot quicker than I think anyone would have thought. And then... You see the style and you see see where the the, the team is now it's um, it's very very impressive
0: and I suppose on the training ground you start to notice that individual players are developing very quickly they're coming on in leaps and bounds because the manager has seen things he can develop seen things he can change did you did you th- did you feel that's what's going on with him where he was he was taking individuals and say saying i'm going to make him better
1: yeah hundred percent you you can see the the impact that he has on He's had on the team and individuals. Um, like I said there was so many good players prior to the gaffer coming in, all in good places. And then how then they've gone to the next level um, in terms of if you, you could name quite a few individuals that have just gone from one level to the next level and then they're going to try and keep keep getting better. And he's certainly, he's so demanding, like so demanding of every single person in the club. And I think, again, that's that's something that the club have really enjoyed, like to, to push standards every single day and it's relentless. Um, but like I said, there's also a really warm side that there is fun. Like I have so much fun every day, mm. um, so much fun, but I also work so hard every day. And that's pretty much what he demands from his staff, from his players, from everyone at the football club. Um and I think that's what you can see some real progress in, in so many players.
0: You know, every now and again a manager comes along and everybody says, Well, that's a that's a new brand of football. That guy's an innovator, he's got his own style. The obvious example's Pep Guardiola. It feels that way a bit with Roberto De Zerbi, doesn't it? That he's that he's brought something new to the Premier League. He's got his own style, he's got his own methods. Is that right? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I think everyone Everyone around the world now is probably looking at our Brighton play. He would have obviously with these previous clubs in terms of how they played that it, it would have been definitely taken notice, and obviously the club knew about it because that's why they bring him to the football club. But I think the Premier League's such a it's the best league in the world, and I think everyone watches so many Premier League games that everyone's talking about our Brighton play. So with that comes obviously expectation. Um, but the style of football that he's bringing to the football club, I don't think it's uh, it's been seen as different ways of of playing possession based. But I think this is a, a different different style to probably what we've seen previously. And previously, there's been so many good good ways of doing it. It's it's a new way, and it's a way for sure. I think you're starting to see maybe teams take ideas and. Still ideas, which is what the game is. Huh? And then you you can then create a new idea from someone else's idea. And that's the beauty of the game. And everyone, every coach tries to, to keep improving, keep moving forward.
0: Sometimes you're watching it and you think, hang on, how did the ball get from there to there? Um, how much of that is playbook? And how much of that is the players just doing that instinctively because they're so comfortable in that style of play and they're able to do it?
1: Yeah, I think... Um, Again, it all all comes back to the work you do on the training pitch. Um, the amount of hours you put in on the grass, the amount of meetings you take, the amount of individual bits you do, unit bits you do. And then it's ultimately always down to the players. The players are on the pitch. Um, the gaffer and the staff work. So hard during the week to hopefully give uh, the, the the players lots of different ideas to take out there that they're very clear on and then they have to be comfortable in, in, in making the decisions, choosing the the right time, the right detail, all them bits that go into it. But ultimately, it's down to them. Um, but with what we, we work on, it hopefully it gives them a real good foundation to go and enjoy the game.
0: You know all the young players at this club, obviously, probably better than anybody and, and there's tremendous interest in Evan Ferguson. I mean, he's he's many things. He's definitely precocious, isn't he? He's an early developer. He's very mature um, for his age. I mean, I I wonder whether to really make it in this league, you have to have a certain mentality, don't you? And he he seems to have that.
1: Yeah, with abundance. Incredible luck. For someone who's 18, uh, the way he carries himself, the way he deals with everything is incredible. Like as a as a as a lad we always talk a lot about the person at the football club and as a person um you ain't going to get many better kids the parents must be so proud um and he has a grit and a determination to get better um he's got incredible attributes um but underpinning it all i said is mentality um and he he wants to get better he takes information on really quickly. Gaffer will demand so much of him, even though he's young, because the gaffer sees and everyone sees what Evan could be. Um and he buys into that so much. Like and I'm very, very close with Evan. I've worked with him closely now for the last couple of years. Um was very always in the gaffer's ear about this this lad. Uh kept pushing him to the gaffer a lot because I knew um what he could bring to to the team. And then the gaffer is incredible with giving opportunities and believing in in young players, believing in senior players. Doesn't matter if you're the oldest one, the youngest one. If you deserve an opportunity, give it to you. Um, and then this, uh, the rest after that is down to the to the player. Um, and he's grabbed it with with both hands. Still got so much to improve on, um, but he's in he's in a very good place.
0: His technical level as well is really high, isn't it? I mean, his feet. You know, did it? Did he have that from the start? Yeah, I think
1: he yeah. said his parents must be proud and he must be delighted with his parents because they've gave him something from Perthard. Like he's got a natural instinct. Um, he, he's obviously born with with them attributes. And then he's got, like I said, he's got that mentality that he works on to improve them. He's got two great feet. Um He's quick. He's strong. He understands the game. He, he understands how to play for the team. He's a team player, and he can finish her. Like he can finish. He's got so. He's he's so exciting her. Huh? Um, but at, at the same time, he's only eighteen. So you you, you know um, you know that you don't want to put too much on his shoulders because you want him to enjoy his game, and he's certainly enjoying his game, and nothing phases him. Do
0: you think he'll he'll ultimately be a number nine because? obviously, you know, if you look at Harry Kane, people have compared him to Harry Kane and Harry Kane play all over the pitch now and likes playing ten as well and, and playing from wide positions. Do you think Evan will will be more of a sort of classic number nine or a a very mobile type of versatile forward player? I think it all depends on uh what manager you're playing for. Um and I think
1: what what he's doing in at Brighton right now and what the gaffers Working constantly with him is that he can do a bit of both. He can be a nine, he can drop in, he can link the game, um, he can stretch the game, he can do everything. Um, And he's getting, he's improving at all them bits to be uh, 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 an old fashioned number nine, if you like but also the modern number nine who can drop into spaces, who can connect the game, who understands the space that he's working with, he understands the player that he's playing against, understands where the, the spare player is. He's, he's hopefully getting a real good education in terms of that. Um, and then I think that's what could make him even more special.
0: And finally on him, I mean, his finishing, he doesn't look like it's hard work for him. I mean, he's a natural finisher, isn't he? He, he doesn't have to... Torture himself to finish. He <laughs> he knows where the goal is, doesn't he? Yeah, and he can he can score all sorts of
1: goals. though like you can have seen it in the last year or so. Like if you look look at his goals, they're all different. Score with his head. He score with his left. He score with his right. He score from close range. He can score from f- far out. He can score from uh, corner areas. He can finish in all different ways. The Grimsby one. He can touch, turn, finish. Like so, he's got a a real catalogue of different finishes. And that's exciting. Um, different services inside the foot, outside of foot, chess, finish. So he's, he's got a real good catalogue where maybe you'd, you see strikers or players that can only finish in certain, mm. certain actions or certain positions where he works hard to be able to,
0: to score all sorts of goals. So if this room was full of 18-year-olds now, promising young 18-year-old players, I'm sure you've made this speech already to, to young people, But and you were having to tell them what they need to get into a Premier League starting side, what would you tell them? Good what? question. Yeah, great question. I, w- I think one of the most important
1: questions you can ask yourself is, are you a good teammate? Um, because M. Ferguson's a, a Premier League football club and obviously has, has attributes that um, can make him able to play in the Premier League team. But if you're not a good teammate and you're not a good team player, you ain't going to be able to play Maybe at any level, but certainly not the top level. So uh, I always say to young players, like, I oh, say, are you a good teammate? Because all the other bits we can work on, and you've got saying uh, you're a Premier League football club. We know we know what you have got, and obviously different levels of that. And Evans at the highest level of that in terms of young players at this football club. But if you ask the the other lads, is Evan a good teammate? All of them would say yes. Um, so speak about young players winning first team change rooms over and how they do that and he could do that because of his personality and the way he carries himself and the respect he has for his teammates
0: yeah so you've had three stints here as a player Um, first was in June 2009 Uh, Brighton were in League 1 weren't they and your debut was against Walsall I think can you paint a picture of the team and the club back then because it wouldn't be recognisable from the team and the club now would it now, Russell Slade, manager
1: uh, with Dean Stadium, training ground at the university. Um, players definitely at that time had um, been Adam Alab, um, Gary Dicker, Caldy, um, Tommy Alphick, Steve Cook, um, Ashley Barnes, Glenn Murray, Elliot Bennett. Uh, Dean Cox, so that was like roughly, good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a- Andy Wing, Jim McNulty, James Tanakleif, Alan Navarro, myself, uh, Liam Dickinson. Like that, that infar from from the squad that first first year. So uh, yeah, obviously a big difference now when you you talk about the the people at the club now. But they, even then, the the club had something special then. I, I always. Always felt something special at the club in terms of what they were and what they wanted to build and the ambition that was there, and then a, straight, again a, a really good change room. I think every time that I was a player at the club in the three different spells, the change room was always strong. Um, and that's a, that's not as you'd think that would be. Every club would have a good change room. That's not easy. That like to to create like to create a really good environment, a change room that's full of individuals that want to get better every day. Mm. Um, and I've always felt that Brighton have done that, done that good, and now they do it incredibly well.
0: Yeah. So in those days, there wouldn't have been a target, would there? But but you knew the club was moving forward because there were strong characters starting to drive it, weren't there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Hundred percent. And I think
0: I think each uh,
1: each year they was trying to build more on that, mm. um, and then creating and uh, building, uh, signing good young players. Good experience player recruitment's obviously been been strong for a good period of time and and obviously incredibly strong now.
0: The uh, you've just been on a, a preseason tour of the states, very glamorous. What was the preseason tour back then?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think I remember. I think we went to like Torquay or somewhere like that. I remember like I think I think Slady made made us get in sea or something like that for a cool down after <laughs> the game and yeah, a lot different to. Uh, to
0: what it, what it was in America? You just you at faulty towers? That was set in sort of wasn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> not right. And uh, so, so, I mean, and, and like I said, you've had this, you've had this long association with the club. That so you you feel like a Brighton and Hove Albion man as a player. Was that your? Was that where your heart was as a player? Really, over all those years that you played. Yeah, I've got something special with the club in terms of
1: uh, all the different roles that I've had. Um, the, the good times that I, that I had as a player, um, captained the team uh, on individual accolades, etc. had a special relationship with the fans, went through a couple of tough times with injuries and the way the club supported me through through them injuries, I'll never ever forget, um, and the fans and the players. And then coming back for the third time um, in a different role, in a unique role that's never been done uh, before by the club was a, was a was an incredible role and loved every minute of it. Um then to be now with uh, obviously the interim period again was was a great experience and now and now obviously the experiences that I'm having with the first team is uh yeah you just feel that that love relationship with the club get stronger and stronger. What's
0: well, been the biggest high maybe the dressing room after you've qualified for Europe? Is that the best feeling you've had here so far? Yeah. What was yeah, the like that? Yeah. Yeah,
1: special, special. Because like, I think the amount of work that that I've spoke about so far in in, in this podcast, the, the amount of work that we put into every day, uh, and then seeing a group of players who you have so much respect for, um, so many good personalities, good characters, and a blend of so many different personalities, different ages, Um it was, yeah, it was just great to be a part of and and you felt, you you felt so a part of it because you're so invested in it and then you see, and you help, you help players through good times, through bad times and then you get over the line with creating history Um, and then, and then building relationships with the new staff that come in from Italy, the Gaffer and the guys that have come in with them. Incredible, like, I love meeting new people, I love meeting new people, getting to know them, getting to know their culture and then, and then I really wanted to help her. Like I, like I love helping people. I love developing people. And and I could see that this ain't going to be easy. If I was to go over to a new country, not speak the language, not know no hardly anyone, and wanna and, and 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 had staff over there that wanted to help that, I'd I'd respect that so much. So I wanted to help as much as I could. And now, and now you you, they're like another family. Like and it's. You know, they've become a part of the Brighton family, if you like, but they I feel like I've got Italian in me. Like, they're, they're brilliant. They're incredible to work for. Um, and then, like I said, to see, to then get over the line with creating history um, was, it felt incredible. And then my family, who who see the the amount of work you put in and they're a part of that journey as well. And then you, you know that they're, they're living that with you, like all the other staff and the players' families and everyone at the football club's families and then all the fans. So you know all the emotions that come with that and then you get over the line and you create history. It was, yeah, some some feeling.
0: So you're probably looking at the toughest year of your professional life in terms of the workload and, and the demands on you, but it should be the most exciting as well, shouldn't it? Yeah, uh, it's work, I right? like
1: you, you call it work but it's so enjoyable. Like and it, it constantly like you said, you speak about the, the lads being mentally fatigued because of the amount of work you put into creating a style. Um but as as coaches and as staff you you're constantly thinking about how you can help, how you can help the manager, how can you out the gaff and the, the staff and then the individual players and the units and you're constantly always thinking my drive home from work, you you're never really switching off, then you're talking to, to people about, about football and it's like pretty I love like the gaffer, Andrea Marcello, uh Jack Stern, Sam Madsen, like the analysis guys, the SC guy, constantly just talking about the game and what the gaffers bring in and he makes you think about ideas and different things and it's it's
0: uh it's work but it ain't work. Well, you've got a lot on your plate, so we'd better let you get back to it. Andrew Crofts, Crofty, thanks for joining us and all the very best.
1: The official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com
0: Thank you for listening to this, the new official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. In future episodes, how do you become a football commentator? What are the plans for Brighton & Hove Albion's women's team? And more big interviews with players, coaches and celebrities. If you've got questions or suggestions, drop us a line at podcast at brightonandhovealbion.com. And remember, please rate, review, and tell your friends. <coughs> I'm just going to grab a quick Can cake. You just, um, That's all right. I am just going to lose that. talk about what you
1: have for breakfast or something once I get your levels. For breakfast, yeah, uh, omelette. And uh, mango and forest porridge, was it, from Will? Wow. Uh, new chefs has been adding all sorts to the menu. Nice. Not bad.
0: You <laughs> guys are eating well at Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> so That's podcast bump, that. <laughs> yeah, <master. laughs> yeah, This podcast is a voice work sports production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.